Hi everyone and welcome to episode 3 of Hair Ikigai. On this episode, I will be talking about a condition called PMDD as part of International Women's Day. So keep listening and I'll let you guys know all about it. Hi everyone, so on today's episode I wanted to use the opportunity, uh, seeing as it's International Women's Day, to talk a little bit more about periods. Um, Now before all of the guys listening to this get really uncomfortable and decide to turn the podcast off, um, I just wanted to say it would be really nice if you could just take the time to listen to this. Um, It would just be great because... It'd be good for you as well because if you're planning on getting married in the future or, you know, if you're going to have daughters in the future, you'd just be so much more helpful um, if you just had a bit more of an awareness of what women go through every month. Um, Yeah, and you just, it'd just be a lot more appreciated really. So yeah, this episode isn't just for the girls, it's also for the guys really. Um, And bear with me because this one's going to be a bit long. I took out some of my notes that I I made from a while back um, and I'll just be kind of reading off of them as well. But yeah, so I wanted to use this episode to really talk about periods because I feel like even though we're kind of, you know, living in 2020 and there's so much progress towards so many different things, um, I feel like we still don't talk about periods and the reality of it. And I feel like there's still so much stigma around it. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of use this platform to talk about it. But I was actually really scared and I still am a bit nervous because I was thinking, you know, if I talk about this out loud, what are people going to think? You know, are people going to say I'm shameless? You know, talking about periods to, you know, a wide audience where there are both men and women listening. You know, I was really scared of, I think I could possibly get some backlash for this. Um, I don't know what kind of comments I'm going to get, but I think it's really important to have these discussions. And I feel like um, there are certain communities that are talking about it, but particularly within the South Asian community, it's still such, um, you know, a taboo topic and we don't like to talk about it. You know, like, are Asian women embarrassed to talk about their periods openly? Yes, for most women, not all, but a lot of us are still very embarrassed to talk about it openly. It's almost as if we refuse to, you know, acknowledge the fact that it exists. Um, And, you know, it's still, to this day, shrouded by this, like, silence and stigma. And we don't want to kind of let the world know that this happens to women every month. Um, Yeah. So I kind of did like some research, so I'm just going to be talking about that. Um, And I also, the reason for why I wanted to talk about it so much is because I feel like it, um, there's just a lot that's been going on in my own life related to my own periods that have been affecting me and I wanted to talk about it and see if there are any other women who relate to it. But also just to share it to the guys so that, you know, you can appreciate the reality of things a bit more. I I do realise that, you know, as women, we do tend to complain a lot about what men don't understand. Um, Like, you know, oh, when I get my period, I'm often like, oh, you know, men don't understand what we're going through, they don't get it, blah, blah, blah. But actually, if we don't openly talk about it, and we don't, 
you know, provide the information that's needed, then we can't really expect men to understand. But at the same time, men also need to be willing to lend an ear um, and get over the fact that, you know, this is an uncomfortable topic. Like, it's uncomfortable for you because you don't like the thought of what happens to women, like you think it's disgusting or I don't know what it is. But it's the reality for a lot of women and we go through it and it would make our lives so much easier if we could just openly talk about these things. Come on, it's 2020. Like, get over the fact that women bleed every month it's not that deep okay so anyway um first of all i wanted to talk about um culture and periods so in some cultures you know menstruating women are victimized due to regressive attitudes that exist around having periods um and in other cultures um having a period is a topic that is not up for discussion it's basically covered by these ideas of shame and stigma you know women are disgusting they're impure they're dirty during this time um and in south asian cultures um women have been kind of brought up um with little understanding of what periods are um and you know the monthly site of blood is kind of met with this idea of embarrassment and by the way this is stuff that i'm reading off like different articles different um things that i've read off the internet um these aren't facts but this is generally kind of what happens and the trend that occurs across very different communities so i think it's really important that we start to challenge these old attitudes um like if we look at today's generation even though we are having conversations about period poverty um you know, having more pads in the workplace being able to have open conversations actually um you know this whole taboo and stigma around it still remains you know for british asians the topic is still not talked about in households i think in my family alhamdulillah i'm very lucky i can have a very open conversation with my mum. um and you know um i can talk to her about you know sanitary products and what i'm going through and my pain and i think that's that i hope is the case for a lot of asian girls but even then i think some people do have very very traditional parents in the sense that even talking about that with your mother is embarrassing so for a number of girls actually um you know they will find out about periods from their friends at school or an older sister um, actually, even that was the case for me. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't have the same relationship with my mum that I do today. Um, you know, when I, I'm the first kid in my family, as I've said before. And so when I was, um, you know, in year six and I was about to start my period, I didn't learn about it from my parents. I actually learned about it from my friend. Um, I was in year six and uh, one of my friends, um, she pulled me to the side and she was like, you need to know about this really important thing that every single girl th- goes through. And I was like, okay, what? Um, and then she said, oh, you know, one day you're going to go to the toilet and you're going to find blood in the toilet and you're going to think that you're dying, but you're not dying. You're. It's just what every single woman goes through. And that was the biggest shock of my life because I had never heard of periods before. I didn't know what the hell it was. And there was this girl who was about 10 years old telling me that one day I was going to go to the toilet and I'd find blood in the toilet and I shouldn't think that I was dying. So that was really scary. And then I went home and I told my mom, I was like, mom, my friend told me that one day I'm going to go to the toilet and there's going to be blood in the toilet. I'm really scared. I don't know what she was saying. What is this? And then that's when I had the conversation with my mom because then she was like, no, she's right. 
when you grow up and you become a woman that is how you become a woman you're going to go to the toilet and you're going to bleed so that's how i found out about it but this is the case for a lot of women actually so recent research um published by action aid a campaign working towards like um you know focusing on impoverished people to fight for injustice and inequality found that 54 percent of british girls and women aged between 16 and 24 are embarrassed about talking about their periods um, and that's actually a really high figure if you think about the fact that this is a natural biological process, something that happens to us beyond and it's beyond our control, but we're so embarrassed to talk about it. And it's a societal thing, isn't it? It's like, it's something that's been made for us to believe over time. We've been kind of made to think that this is something that we're not allowed to talk about. We should be disgusted to talk about this thing that naturally happens to our bodies. And then you have things like adverts that, you know, um, talk about being discreet about products, you know, whispering on the advert when it comes to talking about pads. Um, and so that also makes us believe that these things shouldn't be talked about and it needs to be kept in secret and quietened down, quietened down. Um, so even things like when I went to the workplace, I, I, I didn't really think about period poverty before, but... Um, you know like you go into the workplace and you I, I just started to think like a common thing like tissue paper right a toilet roll that is something that if you don't find in a toilet you would just think what the hell because peeing is a natural thing like you can't go a day without peeing because your body needs to let go of that fluid right same way a period is something that you can't control that is something that you, a woman's body naturally does and it happens every month so pads should be available in the same way that a toilet paper is made available but actually it's considered a luxury it's something that you have to buy it's and it's something that many people you know can't afford if we actually think about it because you know if you think about a pack of pads it will cost you a certain amount and if you have to buy it every single month it is actually very expensive so um i just have some facts here like poverty and ignorance in india has meant that 70 percent of women resort to using old rags um or you know leftover scraps of fabric to de deal with their periods and what what this has done is this has led to an increasing risk of you know reproductive diseases and all of this all of this is a part of shame and the stigma attached to menstruation and you know something as natural as this should not become a nightmare for women in countries like india nepal or bangladesh um but it's purely because people think that having your period makes you impure so in nepal for example um women are forced to sleep in sheds during their periods because of the belief that women cause ill luck um to their family to crops and cattle and god is displeased with them so it's this kind of attitude that women need to be punished for something that is beyond their control um in india less than 16 percent of women um use you know feminine products that are available in the market and that's because um they literally just can't access it in various parts of the country, we, women use sand or wood shavings or, you know, pieces of cloth to be able to deal with that. And th this causes a number of health issues, as you can imagine. 
in Pakistan, 80% of women don't even have access to sanitary, you know, menstrual products. So if you think about it, it's a global issue. It's like something that we're experiencing everywhere, but there's not enough communication around it. We don't talk about it enough. Um, and it's ridiculous. Um, so I wanted to talk about it in the context of periods at work as well. Um, and what's happening in the UK so in the UK, women are facing discrimination over their periods in the workplace and colleagues aren't taking, you know, period pain seriously. And, you know, that means that women are having to um, face a number of different, you know, degrading comments um, related to what they're going through. Um, and I can I can relate to this. I, I don't I haven't experienced it before, but I think growing up and becoming a grown woman coming into the adult 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 world. I've realized, you know, so much about how what your body naturally goes through is belittled in the real world and it's not taken seriously enough. And it's just ridiculous. I just I just literally think it's so stupid that in 2020 we can't talk about periods because I, I don't know, I, I women feel ashamed to do it but also men find it you know disgusting and they don't want to listen about it listen to it so what happens is women keep themselves kind of bottled bottled up and they don't talk about the real physical pain that they're going through and by the way I will be going into detail about what that pain feels like um and it's just I don't agree with it I, and I think it's time that we have these conversations and we shouldn't be made to feel as though we are shameless for having these conversations because the the more we have these conversations the more it's gonna it actually saves lives because there are women who suffer from extreme depression and extreme pain to the point where they feel suicidal but they can't talk about it because they are made to feel like they are shameful people if they do open up about it. I think you can actually hear how angry I am <laughs> through the way that I'm speaking right now. But yeah, so like with me, um, I'll be sharing my experience as well because I, I feel like I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be saying, you know, we have to have these conversations, la la la, but I won't be talking about it myself and I want to encourage it. So to do that, I, I'm going to put myself in a position where it's quite uncomfortable for me to share it. But at the same time, I want to because I want to push that one step forward and encourage other women to be able to do the same thing. But yeah, so when I first started work, um, I have my own complications with my period and um, like with the workplace, it was quite difficult because I always had this worry like, how am I going to bring in the topic of periods into the workplace? And so I have a family friend who is a manager at a different firm and um, I had just, um, you know, taken two days off from work because of my period um and I told her about it and I told her you know I, I'm really scared about the fact that I'm going to have to take two days off every month because of my period um and I, I don't really know because I've never been working before I don't know how an office works and everything so um you know is this a good thing or a bad thing and this family friend is actually a manager she's a woman and this is when I say this podcast isn't just for um, men, it's also for women. It's not just important for men to know about what periods are, it's also important for women. Because I think what happens is because periods, um, you know, happen and they are so common, even women tend to generalize the experience. Even women tend to think that their experience is the same as everyone else's experience. And so we don't, um, I guess, we're not sensitive and 
appreciative towards other people's experiences and how diverse periods can be um and sometimes that can mean that we we can we can also make very ignorant comments and so we're just as bad for making those comments um it in, in many cases we are even worse because for men we can't blame them because if they don't experience it they won't understand um what a period is so they are more likely to make these silly comments but for women it's like if you go through a period and you understand even if you don't have a period pain every month the fact that you go through you know these emotional hurdles should mean that you should be a little bit more aware and sensitive towards what other women go through um so like this family friend she I told her about that and she was like you know for me if my um, you know employee uh, if one of my workers came up to me and said that they needed to take two days off a month because of their period I wouldn't have it because I get my periods and I get really bad pains but I have um, you know ibuprofen I have paracetamol and I get over it so I would tell them get over it and carry on working and so when I heard that I was really scared because I thought is this the way that everyone thinks because I genuinely don't think I can function on when I'm on my period. Um, so that was really difficult. It's not just comments that you hear from men. It's also the same comments that you hear from um, women, actually. And then it's like a question of, you know, um, how do you deal with these comments? How do you overcome these issues when, you know, it's such a common thing? Um, so like a study found that 57% of um respondents i think it was out of 500 people that they questioned 57 percent of respondents said that they had to lie to their managers about why they needed a sick day um three quarters of them said that they hid their sanitary products at work and you know like just doing research around this i i was just shocked by how you know how much i related to all of this stuff like i noticed that i do exactly the same stuff when i go into the workplace and it's just like if this is such a natural thing why why do we find ourselves doing all of this why is it that we have to you know whisper around the office when we're asking for a pad or you know when we're going through i don't think you know people understand how bad a period can get how much pain you have to you know tolerate i think even the pain in itself it's like watered down so much that people don't understand the depths of pain that we go through we literally go through hell and back when we experience our periods okay so you know when i was um at work um like i had one of my colleagues come up to me i have this little bag that i keep in the bathroom with all of my sanitary products um like deodorant everything that i need it's kind of there but it's my bag is the only one that's in that bathroom no one else has it um and one of my colleagues came up to me and she knows i had this bag so she didn't have her she didn't have a pad with her so she she asked me can i do you have a pad with you in that bag is it okay if i use it and i was just shocked by the fact that you know she felt like she was so guilty to be asking me that um you know like as if you know she was so ashamed to ask me that she was whispering she was literally whispering to me um asking for it and it was like she had this guilt in her eyes and it was just ridiculous because it's like why do people feel like you know you need to be ashamed to ask someone for a pad but it's like women suffer this alone and it's just something that's just constantly being going on and it's 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 an ongoing battle that we have um and then there's the research that found that you know women go through a lot of um like accusations that they experience um some people have been told that it's just an excuse to act like a you know 
like to act a certain way. Um, and going back to that, um, you know, statistic that said that, you know, that they lied to their managers, I even found myself doing that because when I took my sick days, um, you know, when you come back and you have to fill in your absence, you have to provide an explanation for your sick day. And so I wouldn't, you know, write down that I had my period. It would often be something else like, oh, I had a cold or whatever. But I wouldn't specify that I had my period because, again, I felt like, it just wouldn't be taken seriously enough and I would be told that, you know, your period isn't a reason for you to miss work. So it's always things like that that kind of make life a lot more difficult for women. Um, and, you know, back, going back to those comments that people would say, it's like women experience a lot of comments like, it's not a real illness or you're just being lazy, which is why you're taking a day off work. Get over it. Um, and for me personally, I feel like that as well. So again, I'll be go going into my kind of experience in a bit. But when I do take off days for, um, you know, for period reasons, I feel like I'm kind of a fraud. Like when I complain about my period, I feel like I shouldn't since it's a normal thing. It's something that every woman kind of experiences. And that I have to get over it, it's it's not something that serious, but then I have to remind myself, actually, no, your period is something that is beyond your control, and so is the pain that you experience, and you shouldn't have to belittle it just because people don't understand what you're going through, um, but it's like, when I do have those days off, I kind of feel like I'm having to make a decision between having days off for my period, and having days off for when I'm actually sick because I feel like I'm taking off so many days for my period and my period pain that I can't take off more days when I'm actually ill ill like when I'm you know when I have a fever or if I have a cough or if I have a headache like other people do I can't have those days off because I'm already taking days off for my period so it's like a constant battle for equality and rights that women need to have if people were just aware and of what 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 it is that periods involved then we wouldn't have to have these constant fights and battles with ourselves for just these silly things um but yeah so there was like this um comment that um the director of a period charity made her name is Nadia Okamo Okamoto and she said that there is a lack of empathy and openness around periods and that also minimizes and dismisses period period pain which is something that is very serious and it needs to be listened to, it needs to be respected and it also needs to be supported, especially for people experiencing things like endometriosis, um, which is actually for 10% of women, you know, um, fibroids and other painful periods. So I'll be going into detail about that um, a little later in the podcast as well. So um, around 81% of women said that they regularly showed up to work or even school even though their period was making them feel physically sick and again that's also something that I feel like I do a lot of my friends do a lot of my family members do it's like periods are something that we just need to kind of get over you need to deal with it it's something that you go through every month haven't you got used to yet um, and it's like that kind of attitude is so unhelpful it doesn't help women who are suffering who are actually physically suffering every month and it's something that they can't they can't ever stop um previous research found that actually around 50 percent of girls in the uk had missed a day of school due to periods and one in 10 women age 14 to 21 are not able to afford period products 
Um, girls have reported to have used toilet rolls, socks, newspapers to manage their periods. And actually, sanitary products in the UK are classed as luxury, not essential items, which is disgusting. That is a disgusting thing, because if you think about it, that that is a basic need it's down to hygiene and that is not made available to women it's something that we have to buy with our money when it should be made available in the same way that a toilet paper is made available um but yeah these are just some facts now to the guys who are listening to this podcast um i wanted to kind of talk about it not just for women to listen but for men because i think there's always a misunderstanding around periods and I think men don't understand but they also get the blame for not understanding and that's because it's not explained to them but you also be need to be you know open to hearing things that make you feel uncomfortable because I think what happens is the reason for why women don't talk about periods is because there is we still live in a very patriarchal society where periods the things that women go through aren't talked about because it makes men uncomfortable let's be real here we don't talk about periods because it makes men squirm the concept of a period and where it happens and how it happens makes men feel physically uncomfortable which is why women inconvenience themselves and they don't talk about it just because they want to make the man feel better and that is how it is it's how it's been in every culture um you know in asian culture particularly we don't talk about periods in the household because it will make the father the uncle the grandfather uncomfortable but women know what other women are going through and so we talk about it behind closed doors when the men aren't in the house and it would just make life so much easier if we could because there is nothing sinful about your period it's something that we go through um, so how do you explain periods to men in simple terms you know you'd use words like period tampons sanitary pads you know you're downstairs bleeding and you know the word the word vagina is like you know these words make men shift uncomfortably in their seats and that's why we don't talk about it and many men are still uncomfortable discussing the subject even at home or even in relationships and it's really you know harmful um, for there was a poll that was um, kind of created by Thinks, um, you know, an organization, and they sent it out to 500 men in the United States. And the research that they did revealed that 51% of men believe that it is inappropriate for women to openly discuss their periods in the workplace. Around 44% of those same men then admitted to have making jokes or comments about a partner's mood when she was on her period. Um, and then a study by Kindara um, on how men perceive menstruation um, found that a large number of men stated that women on their periods were less clean and less attractive. So I just want to make something clear here having your period is normal and it's a normal bodily function and it's just the same as going to a bathroom and we need to get out of this mindset that men cannot be involved in conversations surrounding periods honestly you would be so much more helpful i think i've repeated that a million times and i'm probably going to repeat it until the end of this podcast but it's true so um to help you guys just understand what you know it feels like to have a period um you know what, I think I'm going to talk about my own story here and kind of get out of my own comfort zone. Um, so for me, 
you know, I already talked about how I didn't know what a period was and I learned about it in year six, but I actually didn't get my first period until year eight. Um, actually it was the worst day for me to get my period because on the day that I started my period, my mum's dad had also passed away. So here I was in the house, my mum was crying her eyes out, you know, in the worst way possible because her father had just passed away. And then there was me experiencing this pain that I couldn't even describe to anyone. Um, it felt like someone was stabbing me with a knife and twisting it. And I was going through this, crying, rolling around on the sofa. And so there was my dad in the living room, like looking at my mom and thinking, okay, I know why she's crying. Like that makes sense. But what the hell is going on with her? So the poor guy, he just, he didn't know what was going on. It was the worst thing ever because my poor mom was like, you know, mourning the death of her dad. And at the same time, she was having to deal with me, you know, this screeching creature in the living room, sitting in the corner, crying her eyes out. Um, and I didn't even know what was going on. So it was literally the worst way to start your period. Um, but yeah, like I was told afterwards that, you know, this is normal. This is what women go through. You'll get your you'll get your periods. It will feel like hell. Um, you know, you'll get really bad pain and you'll be bleeding a lot. But it will slow down eventually and you'll get better. So that's kind of how I dealt with it. And then, you know, like, I thought it was normal because there was one day when I had to go to my grand's house. Um, I had just recently, I was still in that kind of new phase of starting my period in year eight. Um, and I hated the idea of living anywhere outside of my house on my period. But all my sisters had gone and it was kind of, I think it was like New Year's Day. So I didn't want to miss out because we had this tradition where we'd go to my grand's house and we'd all lay out the, um, you know, like the duvets on the floor and sleep on the floor together and stuff. I knew I couldn't do that. So I had to at least sleep on a bed, but I'd still go there. Um, and then, so we were, you know, we'd celebrated and then we went, we went to sleep. Um, and around four o'clock in the morning, I was having like these really bad nightmares. Like I was sweating in my sleep and uh, I, I don't know, I just woke up and then I realized why I was having a nightmare. And that was because I was experiencing cramps in my sleep, which is why kind of my brain translated it into a nightmare. And so I woke up, I was crying my eyes out, my aunts were in the house, my gran was in the house, but again, that's what I mean, it's like important for women to know about it as well as men because um, we tend to generalise our experiences. My aunts and my gran had never experienced the level of pain that I had experienced, so what happened was they did kind of... Um, I guess water down the pain like they thought oh you know she's just started her period she doesn't really understand the severity of the pain and she might not be experiencing that much of you know a painful experience but to her because she's new it's like it seems like hell and so it kind of it was reduced down to a level where it wasn't considered as serious as it was um you know so they gave me um paracetamol they gave me a hot water bottle my granddad was there and he had no clue what was going on so he was just like scared out of his wits um and you know it was like the worst thing because I just wanted to be home with my mom who who understood like the level of pain that I had um, but yeah, like that was really bad because I had leaked over all over the bed as well. And it was just horrible. It was a horrible experience to have. And so that was, um, like my first ever experience of having a period. Um, and then in secondary school, again, like my periods were so bad. It was so painful, but I felt like I just had to deal with it because that's what every woman had. Every woman went through the same thing and I had to deal with it. So, you know, when I got, got my periods um, during break time, I would isolate myself, sit under the shelter and find a bench and just cramp, crouch down and just like squeeze my stomach tight. 
like sometimes I would get a belt and like tighten it around my stomach like really tightly just to try and kind of like keep that pain inside and not lay it out um and it was just really difficult like in uh, I don't know I don't remember how I dealt with it in secondary school actually but that, there was one day where um I was on my period and I was experiencing really bad cramps um and I was re- on it really heavy um, and I had a supply teacher for my maths class and the whole class was messing around but you know like sometimes the teachers can take it out on certain students so I asked at the wrong time but I really needed to go to the bathroom so I asked her if I could go to the bathroom and she just looked at me and she was like no no you can't and that really annoyed me because I really needed to go so I let it slide and I just sat there but then you know as time went on I really needed to go like I really needed to go um and the students were messing around and she wasn't having it and I asked her again and she said no and so at one point I had just I was fed up with her I got up you know pushed my chair back got up left and went to the bathroom um and then I came back and I sat down um and she wasn't happy with that so at the end of the lesson she went and reported me to my head of year and my head of year's office was directly opposite to the bathroom that I had gone into so he had seen me as well so he called me into the office and he, you know, sat me down and he said, Hamida, you're a really good student. I wasn't expecting this from you. You know, why did you do this? And at this point, I was sick of it. I was dying in pain. You know, like I didn't even know how to explain the pain that I was experiencing. This woman wasn't letting me go to the toilet. And now this other man was telling me that I had no right to go to the toilet. <laughs> and I just felt so annoyed. I was like, I'm giving, I'm giving him it today because I knew he, like, as a man, he was gonna feel uncomfortable. And I was like, I don't care. I'm gonna make him feel uncomfortable because that's how I feel. And I just looked him in the eye and I just said, Sir, I am on my period. I'm dying. I'm in so much pain, and I needed to go to the bathroom. She wouldn't let me go. So what did you want me to do about it? And I just said it with the most straightest face. And he just looked at me and he just said, Okay. I didn't realize that you're free to go. I just he just felt so uncomfortable and I felt really powerful. I I felt like, yeah, you know what? You it serves you right for not letting me go to the toilet and serves you for not understanding. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how I kind of like dealt with it in secondary school. But I was able to kind of find my own ways to manage the pain. Um then came college. And in college, um, I also was able to kind of deal with my pain. The pain was bad, but you know, like it was kind of I I was able to manage it. Um, I remember one day I had my history lesson and I could feel the pain kind of increasing. And um, I think this is when I I knew there was something abnormal with me. There was something wrong because I, that's when I started having conversations with my friends around periods. Before that, I was still very shy and we didn't, We even between girls, we didn't really talk about the details of periods. We always knew that, you know, girls girls bleed. Some some of my friends actually didn't have start their period. So, you know, we all started at different phases, but we all knew that everyone had a period and everyone had it in a similar way so we never really shared details about it but when I went to college that's when I started actually talking to my friends about the details of periods and I realized that actually my experience is very different to what my friends go through um you know some people have periods but they don't have cramps that was something that I never knew because um you know in my family I I I didn't really talk to the adults about it so um, and my younger sisters hadn't even started, so I didn't really know anyone to compare it to. Um, but when I spoke to my friends about it, you know, some of them didn't even have pains. Um, some of them did have pains, but it wasn't even on the level that I had. 
So that's when I started realizing, okay, there's something wrong here. Um, so when I was in my history class, I could feel my hips starting to become numb. And this was the first time that I'd experienced that, but my hips were becoming numb and my legs were starting to have this odd tingling sensation and I could feel that my thighs were starting to kind of lose sense and it was really weird for me but I was in so much pain I couldn't even explain it to anyone um so I got up left the class um my teachers were really helpful um you know allowed me to do that got up went for a walk came back and so in college, I was able to deal with that because I lived five minutes away. Um, so on days when I had it really bad, I was able to kind of speak to my head of year, who was a woman, um, and she she was really nice and she let me kind of walk home. So even walking home was hell for me because I just wanted to come home and collapse on my bed. But at least I was able to do that because I knew my house was just five minutes away. Um, or uh, we had free periods. So during free periods, I would isolate myself, just sit in a corner on the sofa and just try and deal with the pain. But again, it's like internalizing the pain. You can't scream out loud. But if I could, it would be a really scary human cry because actually the pain is something that you can't explain to anyone. Um, and so that's how I dealt with in college, like just isolating myself, using my free periods or coming home because it was so close. Um, again, uni, uni was exactly the same in the sense that I had ways to manage my, my periods. I think uni was when uh, that was when like things became really bad like really really bad college was like the beginning of it and uni was like the hell of it so um like in uni when I'd get my periods it was manageable because um you know you have Q review so you can watch your lectures online so I would watch my lectures online and stay home on the days when I knew it would be really bad or if it started like if the pain started while I was at uni then I would go to the prayer room and kind of take a nap um um and you know people were quite sympathetic towards it but again I don't think people understand the severity of the pain um and so I would kind of lie down and sleep in the prayer room um and then when I felt a little bit better I would try and walk home um but yeah with me like my periods are so extreme that when I get the pain I have to come home um lie down on the bed my mum comes in with a hot water bottle I can't even physically get up and warm up the water like she has to do that um and she has to massage my legs and massage my stomach um and my feet um and I have to take an ibuprofen or some kind of pill but the pill doesn't help me um it doesn't get rid of the pain until a few hours later um but what it does do is it's not helpful because it reduces my flow which make which makes me feel a little bit sick um it doesn't allow me to complete my periods um so I take those pills and then I have to physically force myself to fall asleep for the pain to disappear that's how bad it is so I would manage that in uni because I would, you know, be able to have Q review and deal with my lectures and stuff. Um, but that's when, you know, that was the physical pain. But that's when the emotional aspect of it started kicking in as well. So I remember in first year of uni, I it was the first time that me and my friends decided to go on holiday alone. And, you know, like being grown, like young adults and everything, we thought, you know, hey, let's go Spain. And it was great. Like we had such an amazing time. But I was on my period and I was really scared because I knew that this would have a huge impact on how much fun I would be having and I was really upset because um, I wanted to go at a time when I wouldn't be on my period but you know with timing and everything you have to go when everyone else is available as well and it turned out that everyone is available and on the time when I was on my period um, and I didn't want to be a buzzkill so I went anyway 
Um, but there there I was kind of trying to fight with myself internally to not ruin the trip for everyone else. Um, and I could just feel like this build up of stress and anxiety and unhappiness. And I didn't know why because I was having such a great time. Um, and then one morning I woke up and um, we were getting ready. So we were playing music, we were dancing as you do on holiday, you know, having such an amazing time, getting ready to go out and really excited and pumped. Um, and then, you know, my friend did my makeup for me and I loved it. Um, but inside I could feel like this, like this odd feeling growing, like, I don't know how to explain it, like this, um, like I'm gonna cry, like I'm gonna cry kind of feeling, and I didn't know why, so I was really confused with myself, and then one of my friends looked at me, and she was like, oh my god, Hamila, you look so pretty, and she just said that, and I made eye contact with her, and that's it, like it just triggered me, and I started crying, but it wasn't even crying, like just, you know, happy tears it was like crying as if someone had said something really offensive to me and it had really broken my heart so I had to run to the bathroom and I was just standing there crying like really like you know the gasping crying and my friend came in and she just looked at me and she was really confused um and she was like you know what the hell happened did I say something was it was it something anyone said and I just looked at her and I said no it's just my hormones and I was really overwhelmed because I had no idea what was going on I didn't even know why I was crying but I felt like I had ruined the holiday for everyone because everyone went silent I just told everyone like just leave like it's fine just leave me cry let me cry and I'll be fine you guys just carry on doing what you're doing but I came out and I felt like I had created this gray cloud above everyone and I just ruined the atmosphere and so for me personally I blame myself like I felt like I had you know ruined that first holiday that we had gone on with, uh, as friends and so that was like the first time that I'd experienced that. Um, and then I didn't experience it for quite a while. But I feel like in that sense, I feel like I've adopted a similar attitude to men in terms of expressing my emotions. Like I feel like I've become so used to hiding my need to cry and my need to kind of be, you know, really upset that it's really difficult for me and... I find it so difficult to deal with these emotions that I have and I find it so easy to just kind of keep it bottled up inside me um, to the point where it's just growing and growing and growing and becomes frustrating. Um, so yeah, like I feel like that was the one time that I kind of exploded and then for the next year, I kind of every time I had my period, I just kind of kept it inside and I can feel it when I'm doing that. I can feel myself keeping it bottled in and it feels kind of like a wall that I'm building up for myself. Um, and in a sense, it's good for everyone else around me because I'm able to manage my relationships really well. But for myself and for my own health, I feel like I'm damaging myself so much because I'm not able to properly let go. Sometimes I just wish there was like a room or some place where I could just go and cry and scream and really vent in the way that I need to but you can't do that and you just feel like you have to keep it inside and it feels really suffocating if I'm completely honest um so yeah like I experienced that and that was that was that was the only time I experienced that in uni um and then I started work and that's when I feel like my entire world flipped upside down and it literally like shattered everything it shook everything um so like I started work and 
everything was fine. I was like really excited to go to work. You know, we had our training and everything was really easy. Um, I was able to manage things very bubbly, very energetic and enthusiastic about things. You know, like how I normally am, very determined, um, eager to learn. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize why this was happening to me, but, um, sometimes I would start to feel very overwhelmed, very, very anxious. Um, like there was this one day where I was walking to work, woke up in the morning, I was completely fine. Um, walking to work, fine, excited to go to work actually, because I had a project that I was going to be working on related to CSR. Um, and then I got to the train and I was waiting for the train and I could feel my breathing like becoming really heavy. Like I was breathing, like I was trying to stop myself from crying and I was feeling this, you know, increasing feeling of overwhelmingness just like growing inside me and like I needed to cry. Um, and then I had like these in invasive thoughts and I'm just like, my, my breathing is becoming so much heavier and I don't know what's going on. So I'm trying to like keep this in between with myself. I'm looking down because I want to avoid eye contact. And then the train is coming and I can feel myself shaking because, you know, something's happening, but I don't know how to put it to words. Um, the train comes and, you know, the train is moving and people are talking and all of the, it becomes very noisy in my head and I feel like I'm going to cry, but I don't. I get off the train and I can feel my eyes becoming watery and I don't know what's happening so I'm so confused it's literally like you're fighting with yourself it's like an out-of-body experience because you in on the one hand you're you're feeling this but on the other hand you know it's not normal you know there's no explanation behind why you're feeling like this so it was so odd for me but then at this point I couldn't control it I I couldn't even get into the building I had to put I had to go to the side my workplace has like these benches to the side I had to sit um, on this bench, which was kind of like, had this building in front, so my face was kind of hidden from the world, and I started crying. It was the same as Barcelona, crying really heavily, as if someone had just passed away. I felt like I had no grip on anything, like I had to hold on to something because I was crying so intensely. Um, and with me, when I cry, um, it's obvious that I just cried. My eyes are puffy, um, they're very red, so I, I kind of just looked down and I walked into work. Um, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be anywhere. I didn't, I, at that point, I didn't want to exist. Um, and I went into the workplace, got into the office, um, and I couldn't even log into the computer. I could feel myself having another episode, like I was just going to explode. So I got up, and at this point, I'm in the office, and there's so many people that can see me. So I just put my head down and tried to walk really fast went into the bathroom, um, shut the door and I was holding onto the railing in the toilet and I was crying. I don't, I, I can't even explain how much I was crying. It was like the gasping crying where you feel like you have nothing inside you, like you're crying so much. And so I was crying like that and I couldn't understand because I've never cried like that in my life. In my life, I've never cried like this. I've never cried like this. Even when someone passed away, I've never cried like this. It was crying as if I had just, you know, been so deeply hurt. Um, and then I came out, um, you know, and I was trying to cry, cry quietly because there were people, other people in the bathroom. And then once they left, once I thought people had left, I came out. Um, and then another colleague came out, um, from the bathroom and she said, Hamida, um, I had to come and follow you because of what I saw. Um, and she was like, I don't think anyone else saw, but I had to come and see if you were okay. Um, and I, she was like, is everything okay? And I just 
burst into tears i was like i honestly don't know what's happening to me i don't understand why i'm crying there is no reason why i'm crying and i was really worried because i thought you know she's seen me cry i haven't even passed my probation yet that's it i'm not going to get i'm not going to be able to stay here anymore because people have seen me cry so that was my worry as well and i was like i it's not because of the work it's not anything like that honestly like i was trying to justify my crying <laughs> to someone and like trying to I don't know I wasn't I wasn't focusing on the fact that I was crying I was worried about the job and whether I'd be able to stay and she was just like honestly don't worry about it just cry it's fine um, and she was really nice because often when you see people crying I even make these really unhelpful comments sometimes it's like oh don't cry don't worry about it you'll be fine um, you know and these like it's not anyone's fault for making these comments because you think like you know you're trying you're trying your best to be helpful and I even say these comments um so this is a reminder for myself to not make these comments but she this was the first time someone had some said something that was so helpful she just said you know I'm gonna grab a tissue roll and we're gonna go and sit in the corner and then she sat me down and she said you don't even need to speak to me about anything I'm just gonna sit here and listen to you cry like you can do whatever you want you don't even need to tell me why you're crying don't even feel like you need to um just just cry like just cry so I just sat there and I cried and then um when I was done she was like um I'm not going to ask you what's going on um because I know that doesn't help but if you want a hug I'm here to give you a hug um just go and get yourself some chocolate don't don't come back to the office until you feel better um go and sit down really you know let yourself feel everything and then come back when you feel like you're okay like take out a good 10-15 minutes if you need to and then she was like oh by the way um you know here's a place where I use to cry um no one can see you um and it's just really convenient so she wasn't disregarding how I was feeling in fact she was giving me she was validating my feelings and she was saying that it's okay and I go through the same thing but she wasn't saying it in a way where it's like brushing it off like oh everyone has it it's fine it was more so take your time and it was just so nice and I'll always remember that because I've never experienced that before and it was just a small comment that helped me so much um so yeah that was that one experience that I had um there was another day when I was walking to work and um again like walking up the stairs walking to uh, to the um, train station this time I hadn't even got to the train station I could feel myself having that panic attack again it was like my chest was burning um like I was ha having a really severe panic attack but I feel like because I'm the eldest in my family and I've kind of created this persona for myself where I'm strong I don't break down um you know um sometimes I've been told that I can sometimes be quite emotionless and I feel like I've created that for myself like I'm quite an introvert I can be quite awkward and so because I've become this person and people know me as this person I find it very difficult to open up on many occasions and just make myself very vulnerable I do it with the right people but not with my close friends and family I prefer to do it with strangers um and so like when I had this anxiety I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about it because my own sister suffers from anxiety and I didn't want to feel like I was also someone who was experiencing anxiety and belittling a bit like kind of invalidating her own experience so I didn't talk about it with my own family so I kind of kept it to myself um, but it was a panic attack it was like this um, build up of burning in my chest and feeling like I was struggling to breathe um, 
so yeah like all of that I went and the train station was closed so I had another panic attack and I was crying at this point um like trying not to cry at this point called my dad he wouldn't pick up so I ran to the bus station waited for the bus station it was said it was going to take 15 minutes I knew I didn't have 15 minutes to wait because it would take me another half an hour to get to the station and then another 20 minutes to actually get there then walk to work it would take me more time than I needed to and I was already knew I didn't want to kind of look bad um, and I was starting a new rotation as well, so it was with a completely new team. They wouldn't even understand what was going what was going on. Um, so that was like shambolic. And then my dad eventually replied, uh, called me back, and he said, "Okay, I'm coming. I'm going to pick you up, and then I'll drop you off to the station." And so while he was coming, um, I was like trying to control my breathing, trying not to cry. Um, and then when my dad called me, he said, oh, I'm here. And I couldn't see him because he was waiting in a different area. Um, and so I became like really frantic. Um, and this is what I mean, like it's really scary. Um, I became so frantic because like I was so desperate to get to work. Um, I I was crossing the road and I didn't realize that a car was coming and I didn't even care. I saw the car afterwards and I was like, you know what, hit me if you want to. And I just carried on walking and I became so careless towards myself just because of this one experience I was ha having. Got into the car and my dad was, you know, like, you know, okay, let's get to the station. You'll be fine. But he didn't realize what I was going through because that's what I mean. Like I'm very good at preserving my emotions like I will be going through all of this inside but outside you won't see it you won't be able to realize that I'm going through all of this and I think that's the case with a lot of people actually um and then at this point I couldn't control my breathing anymore and I exploded and I was like I can't do this I'm struggling I can't and my sister was sitting at the back and she just looked at me like what the hell is going on kind of thing so I was having like this breakdown and my dad was panicking because he was like how am I going to send her off to work when she's like this so he was panicking as well and then I got to the train station managed to kind of control my emotions got into work had a really horrible day but it was fine I was able to kind of have my emotions in check but I had about three or four days like this one of the other days was again I had the same thing um got into the workplace again went into the bathroom I was crying but this time my manager was there she was in the bathroom as well and so she looked at me and she was like is everything okay and I said yeah everything's fine I just need a bit of time and what really helped was she took she first first she left me and she was like okay I'm gonna leave you alone you just do what you need to do and then she came back and she was like I didn't want to make you feel like I had abandoned you so I had to come back and check but I wanted to give you your space but I just wanted to tell you that you don't have to put on a brave face if you're having a really bad day honestly go home because you're not gonna be able to do anything here anyway um just go home um so I went up to the prayer room allowed myself to kind of breathe for a bit and then I came home um but again with those with that day it was really bad um and I I don't know it's like I started to reflect on why I was feeling like this and I realized that I noticed a pattern and all of this was happening when I was um, very, very close to my period or when I was on my period. Um, I would often find myself, you know, on my way to work, googling, is it normal to feel this way? Why do I feel like this? I'm feeling very anxious. I'm feeling like I don't know who I am. I feel like a completely different person. I feel like I, you know, I was very worried that I, I, I was bipolar. 
um, because I, I had moments where I didn't recognize myself. Like I had very, very, very drastic changes in my attitude and my personality. Um, one person that I would recognize and one person that I would not recognize, like this person was not me. Um, like two weeks before my period, I would be myself. I would be bubbly, enthusiastic, you know, my normal self. And I knew that that was me. But then a week before my period, I would become this person that I don't recognize. And on my period, I would also be this person that I don't recognize. I would be very, you know, anxious, on edge. Um, I could always like, you know, the smallest thing could set me off and I would get very angry. I would have outbursts of crying for no reason, like no explanation whatsoever. But I didn't know how to explain this to anyone because there is this stigma around mental health. Um, there is this stigma around certain disabilities that people have. Like if you have bipolar, if you're bipolar, you know, like the movies, the way that people are portrayed, like if you're skits, like if you if you've got schizophrenia, you you're portrayed as this you know criminal, this psychopath that goes and you know stalks people or have like personality disorder. If you're bipolar, then you don't understand you know human relationships and you can be very scary and complicated. Like that's how movies portray people, right? So I was really scared of opening up a conversation and telling someone, you know what, I think I might be bipolar I was also really scared because I'm at an age now where I'm 21 um my parents want me to get married and I was thinking you know what if I come out now and tell people that I think I've got a personality disorder what are people gonna think am I gonna struggle to find a partner so that was also something that was like at the back of my mind um so all of this was like kind of growing and building up in my mind and I was very anxious and I was like I don't understand but I don't also think that there's anyone that would understand um because like I said with periods sorry I'm running out of breath <laughs> um like I said with periods it's like women have their periods but everyone's experience is so different and so even when you think that women will understand even women don't understand and even women can make the same comments that men do in terms of oh get over it you're making a big deal out of it it's not that much of an issue because unless they experience it themselves it's really is easy to misunderstand or not get the bigger picture of what's happening um so yeah like I went through all of that and <laughs> there was like this bit I was like really scared to admit because there's a lot of you know stigma around like feeling suicidal and you know having these invasive thoughts because I know that's not me I know that I'm a very mentally strong person I know that I would never go through to that because my faith in God is very very strong and my fear of like what happens after death is very strong and I would never ever think of taking my life but when it came to having my periods I became a different person and all of these invasive thoughts were things that you know took over my life and it was me battling with trying to control these thoughts but then how do you come out to the world and say that because there's also this stigma and taboo around talking about these things you're not supposed to talk about it so I didn't um and actually there was one day where I had a really bad day it was that day when you know like I, I was crying so heavily um that I I left work but I didn't feel like I could come home because I didn't want to put my parents through that like they were so proud of me you know having this job um and you know like just seeing me in this state wouldn't make them happy like it wouldn't it would really like worry them and I didn't want to worry them I didn't want to make them scared um 
So I didn't feel like I could go home. I didn't feel like there was a place where I could go and just cry in the way that I needed to cry and just get things off my chest. Um, and so I was walking home and I was like, I don't want to go home, but I don't want to be at work. Where do I go? And I just felt so like I didn't have a space. And so um, I think I got to the park near my house and then I sat down and I called two organizations. So I called one organization and it took me, it was really difficult because I had to kind of um, like contact, dial the number and then say what issue I had. And then like that's, it took a really long time to get through to the person. And then I called um, Samaritans and the lady just sat there and she listened to me and I told her about, you know, how I was feeling like medically, like the fact that, you know, I was suffering with this, but I didn't know what it was. Um, at this point, I didn't even know what it was. I just knew that I, I, I was two people. I was literally two people. I felt like a split person. I would be one person one day and then the next day I wouldn't recognize who I was. And she was like, you know, you need to speak to your GP. And I had spoken to my GP, actually. I told my GP, like, this is what happens. This is what I have. Um, but the problem is, um, they weren't able to address it because of a number of reasons. Um, um, but when I spoke to her and I told her, you know, I don't want to go on the pill because I feel like I've been able to manage it for over all of these years. Um, and I don't want to take the pill for both religious reasons, but also for personal reasons. I don't want to change the way that my body works, um, just for the convenience of being able to go into work. Like my body is my body and that's my right for me to make a decision. I don't want to change the way that my body works and inconvenience myself just so that I can go into the workplace and make money for a business. Like I don't agree with that. Um, and she said, well, uh, like, and I said, you know, the pill is going to mess me up anyway. Um, and the, the GP was very unhelpful because she said, you know, you're already messed up. So the pill isn't going to mess you up even more than you're already messed up. And so after I heard that, I lost all faith in going to the GP because, you know, I don't want to go to the GP to feel belittled and to not feel like I'm being taken seriously and especially when this was a woman and that's when I say women also need to support women you need to understand that it, periods don't work one way it's a s several complex experiences for different people but anyway so yeah I wanted to share this experience because that's what periods feel like periods aren't just bleeding it's not just about you know having a monthly cycle it's about the emotional roller coaster that you go through the hormonal imbalances that you have that people aren't aware of because these experiences aren't talked about we're always so ashamed there's still this stigma there's still this you know embarrassment around it and um, so yeah so I wanted to just talk about this like um I know that some people will say, you know, she's so shameless because there are men who are listening to this as well. But honestly, I think it's really important that people know about this. Um, so, yeah. So, like, what does a period feel like? Um, an Italian study found that over 80% of young women reported pain with their periods. And about one in three of them, um, like for them, the period was so bad that it made them miss out on social events or other obligations. And so, like, while the media and stuff like that has, like, this consistent way of portraying periods through, like, food cravings and mood swings as, like, the key symptoms for, like, periods coming up, there are so many symptoms, um, such as cramps, like, going from mild to extremely painful. Some people have way worse period pains than I do. Some people have um, pains that are very close to, like, having contractions during when you're giving birth. 
um, you know, having acne breakouts, um, bloating, diarrhea, um, all of this is very common. Um, so then when I was going through all of this, I was just thinking, I'm so hopeless because I don't know what this is. When you know what you're going through, in some cases it can be really good because then you know that there are enough people going through it for them to have a name for it. And so you feel less alone. Whereas when you don't know what it is, you kind of feel like there's nothing that's going to be done. You're just suffering alone. Um, so when women go through their periods, there's this thing called PMS. Um so it's like if a woman gets testy with you if she you know res- um like just if she's like really frustrated resists the joke uh, the, resist the temptation to make a joke around like pms like P- premenstrual syndrome happens like a week or so before a woman starts her period and it can literally make her feel like crap um scientists don't really know exactly what causes pms but it's likely to be kind of connected to changing levels of um hormone like estrogen and um like some women may be more sensitive to these changes um so i read this article um and it says that dr day nicola um she basically says that um women who suffer from like experience pms they experience fatigue mood swings food cravings um you know uh, tender breasts cramps aches um and increased anxiety um but then there is this is where i kind of started to learn about what i have um so pms is a very different form or a different experience to premenstrual dysphoric disorder pmdd which is a less common condition but it's basically like PMS on steroids. It's like the evil cousin of PMS. Um, PMS, yeah. So women with PMDD can experience severe feelings of depression, inability to concentrate, or changes in sleep patterns that can really kind of you know affect their lives. Um, and so for me, when I started reading about this, I started to realize like I relate to this a lot. Like when I would get my pains, it would be like days when, you know, my mom's cooking in the kitchen. I go down to kind of fill up a water bottle and then suddenly I'm having to hold on to the kitchen unit because my legs have given way. Like they've stopped working. Um, I'm holding on to it because I'm in so much pain, but I can't feel my hips. And so I have to struggle to walk upstairs and just literally fall onto the bed because that's how painful it's become. Um, with the sleep it's like like I said the nightmares that's what happens or sometimes I'm sleeping and I feel like my brain is alive like it's awake and it's talking to me while I'm asleep and it's really frustrating because I can hear myself telling my brain to shut up while I'm sleeping so I'll wake up at around four o'clock and I'm very frustrated because I haven't slept yet even though my eyes have been closed and I've been lying on the bed and um, you know I've been unconscious like how you are when you're sleeping I have also been conscious because my brain has been actively conversing with me about things that I'm worried about things that I'm anxious about just everyday things and I feel like I'm awake even when I'm asleep um so all of these things like I started researching around it because I felt like I wasn't getting the the advice that I needed from my GP um so then I learned that okay first of all there's dysmenorrhea which is basically painful menstruation typically involving abdominal cramps and I know 100% I've had that since I was young anyway I've always had painful periods since I can remember having periods um and if I if I'm to describe it it's like imagine someone stabbing you in the stomach and literally twisting that knife that is cramps like 
everything is sore, your muscles are aching, you're very nauseous, you've got a headache, and you're constantly tired. Um, periods are disgusting, like they're awful. Um, you know, it's inconvenient, you feel very uncomfortable. Um, but you're not supposed to talk to talk about it, which only makes it worse because you have to live your life pretending that you aren't constantly sweating, you know, getting rid of fluids from your from downstairs. You're, you know, in so much pain that you can't even breathe. But you have to all of this stuff that we go through, we have to act like we're not. And that's the worst thing. Like you have to act like you're not going through all of this stuff. Um, and so one thing that I was told by my GP is that they think that I've got endometriosis, um, which is basically a pelvic pain or belly pain that might start before your period and it lasts for several days and it's like a sharp stabbing feeling that usually won't go away even with med- medication. Um, and some people say, some women say that it feels like their insides are being kind of pulled down, um, that they have like this gnawing, throbbing feeling um, that can be very severe. And that's literally how I feel mine is. Like, I feel like it's so intense. Um, And endometriosis is a condition where the tissue, um, similar to the kind of lining in the womb, starts to grow in other places, um, like the ovaries or the fallopian tubes. So when the GP uh, suggested that I have this, they uh, referred me to a gyno. Um, and to also get an internal scan done uh, again with because of several complications that wasn't you know possible so I don't know if I've got endometriosis but it's highly like- likely um, but endometriosis can affect women of many ages um, and it's a long-term condition that can have significant impacts on your life but there are treatments that can help you um, but symptoms of endometriosis are you know they can vary some women can have you know can be really badly affected and then others might not have you know noticeable symptoms um but they can be very severe so the main symptoms are you know you get pain in your lower tummy or your back um, and it's usually worse during your period uh period pain can stop you from doing your normal activities and that's when i realized that actually i think i have that because with my friends when they have their periods they're still able to function they're still able to do normal things in their everyday life and it doesn't get in the way Whereas for me, when I know I'm going to have my period, I'm literally scared because I know my life is going to stop. <laughs> um, like, I, my concentration levels go down and I feel like it gets in the way of just being able to do normal tasks. Like, even being able to sit on the computer and just type, I can't do that. My, I, I, I physically can't do it. I'm not there. Um, period pain when you're peeing or when you're... Um, taking a dump um you know feeling sick constipated you get diarrhea um or blood in your pee um you get diff there are difficulties when getting pregnant um you may also experience heavy periods um so you might use a lot of pads um and you might bleed through your clothes so for some women endometriosis can have a big impact on their life and it may sometimes lead to feelings of depression because you feel like you can't overcome it um one of the main complications with endometriosis is a difficulty with getting pregnant or not being able to get pregnant at all so having infer- like fertility issues um 
And you can have surgery to remove um, endometriosis tissue and it can improve your chances of getting pregnant, although there is no guarantee of you being able to have that. So for me, like the anxiety of not knowing whether I have this has been a really big worry for me because I've often spoken to you know like close friends and family members about this I've always wanted to have children of my own and inshallah I do get to but it's like when you speak to people about this it's like oh I already know how this works medically and you know it's not like you're not going to be able to have children it's the possibility of you not being able to have the ch- have children but when people say that it's like you're saying that from a position of privilege because you know you don't have that so it's not a worry for you but for someone who has the potential to not have children and that's there and they don't know whether that's going to happen it's very scary and just to hear that kind of comment where it's like oh you know you don't know whether you're going to have you don't know whether you have it though like you know it's not that much of a big deal it's it doesn't help so it's like dealing with comments like that as well um and then so when I was walking to work and kind of like trying to figure out what I'm going through and like trying to battle this on my own it's like I did a lot of my research and that's when I came across PMDD um so premenstrual dysphoric disorder um has only been recently recognized um through research and it's something that can really cripple women emotionally, physically and mentally. Um, so I read a lot of articles and oh my god, I couldn't relate more. Um, like I finally found like I had found something that just helped me feel like I could relate to people. As much as I could speak to the women in my life, I felt like I couldn't speak to anyone properly or that anyone could properly understand what I was going through. And so I'm just going to share a few articles here that I read, um, that I related to and what they said. Um, so there was one person who said half of the month I was, you know, extroverted. Um, I was very, you know, um, energetic, um, doing things that I always kind of did. And then I would be hit by ovulation. And at that time, I would become dysfunctional, shy and withdrawn. It's like I woke up one day and became a completely different person. And from until then, I started, um, from until then, I started um, menstruating, I became an utterly dysfunctional person. Um, And then I would get my period and um, I would be fine. And this has happened over and over again. So this comment is a bit (laughs) mixed. But what it's essentially saying is like, she would be fine one day and then before her period and during her period, she would become someone that she didn't recognize. And then once her period stopped, she would be fine again. And things like this have affected, you know, intimate relationships and friendships over the years because she would withdraw socially and she felt the fog of depression closing in. And so she said, I couldn't even stand myself. So how could anyone else? And I can't relate to this more. Like... I remember having conversations about this with myself in my head so many times like when I was on my period I would want to isolate myself because I knew I would become a person that I hate and if I hate myself and I can't stand being around myself how are my friends and my family going to be able to and so it was like constantly isolating myself during that period because I hated who I was during that time um And so the article continues and it says some of the key features of PMDD are when a woman says it's like someone's flicked a switch like I'm okay and then suddenly 
bang, it's like major depression. I can't get out of bed. I can't think. I get tearful. I get irritable. I get angry and I can't process cognitively. Literally, that's that's it. Like that's that's how I feel. Like on those days, I feel like physically getting out of bed is a struggle for me. But it's being able to actually come out and say that that's the difficult part and I feel like saying this now I feel like I'm so much lighter um because I just need people to know I I need to be able to say it um I feel like it's been so difficult like I've been trying desperately to have these conversations with different people in my life but I feel like I haven't had a proper understanding from anyone yet just because and I can't blame anyone because no one's gone through it so no one can understand like no one can understand unless they've gone through it so I need to find someone who suffers from PMDD to relate to them and I'm gonna try and see if I can do a podcast with someone um to have that conversation but for me I feel like there's this stigma and I naturally struggle with my emotions like I said um so even just being able to open up about this and talk about it with my family members or my friends I feel like it's very very difficult for me as a very introverted person um like someone who likes their own space who likes to just sit by themselves and not have too many I have certain days where um, I just want to be by myself I don't like speaking to anyone and I just want to be by myself and so as a person like that I find it quite difficult to open up when I need to open up um I I find it very easy to kind of give advice or listen to people but when it comes to um talking about myself and what I'm going through I feel like I'm only recently starting to do it properly and even then it's not with the right people though it's not with the people who I actually need to do it to like with my family um so I'm still trying to do that um like I tend to avoid social interaction during those times because I just don't know what's going to come out of my mouth I just don't know what I'm going to say and it's really difficult for me um it's like a constant battle with myself and it's very difficult to find people who understand what I'm experiencing because PMDD is so rare it's when you know menstrual problems are are often seen as something that's taken as a joke or to ridicule so I often have dealt with comments like pull yourself together or get a grip or you know even people denying that PMDD exists and I don't feel like I can even talk about it with women because they just don't understand what's going through what in my head um and PMDD is something that doesn't occur once a month it happens twice a month so it's like having an average of 10 to 14 days where you feel like yourself where I feel like I'm me and then the rest of that month being spent coping with the symptoms um, and you know having to deal with the fact that this is going to continue until I experience menopause um so yeah like one article that I related to so much and I feel like it just helped me so much was this article by Ray Jacobson um, and she said she talks about this young girl called Lily who was se- who's 17 and her experience with it and this is when I realized like this is what I have so Lily said I always know when it's dying same same with me I feel tired I feel sad and fat I get angry and upset at the smallest and dumbest things and I know it's not real but it feels so bad literally same Um, for most women and teenage girls periods are part of their life so at worst it's a monthly inconvenience um, kind of something that just annoys them like they get mild periods period pains Um, and for some people it's just at the best it's a reminder that their bodies are on track and it's working like it's supposed to be 
But for girls like Lily and me, who have premenstrual dysphoric disorder, menstruation can feel like a week of absolute hell. Because it doesn't start on the week of your period, it starts a week before. So for me, it's like I will get back pain and mild period pain, which I think is what normal people have when they've got their period, the mild pain a week before my period so I feel like I've started my period before my actual period and then when I start bleeding that's when hell starts so what's the difference between PMS and PMDD so an estimated 75% of women and girls experience some emotional and physical discomfort around their periods but the impact of PMS on their life is usually relatively mild the symptoms of PMDD are far more severe and often cause problems that persist even after they finish their period so you know, we can all, all have mood swings and at the start of our periods, but with PMDD, it's like feeling like a completely different person. Um, so this lady called Dr. Stephanie uh, Samar, a clinical psychologist um, who works with young women um, at the Child Mind Institute, she says, PMD, it's only PMDD if it's seriously impairing, like it stops you from doing basic things in your life. So for example, a girl with PMS might feel a little bit tired or a little bit out of it, whereas a girl with PMDD might be almost unable to get out of bed or struggling to concentrate on even the smallest and simplest tasks. Um, a girl with PMS might feel like she's grumpy or frustrated, whereas a girl with PMDD might feel of moments of irrational rage, find herself fighting with people that she loves out of nowhere and ending up in damaging friendships or you know, romantic relationships. Um, a girl with PMS might be more emotional and find herself crying at things like, you know, a sad commercial. Whereas a girl with PMDD is likely to experience feelings that are more related to depressive episodes. She might be feeling hopeless, worthless, miserable, and she might even have suicidal thoughts. So PMDD is caused by a heightened sensitivity to hormones, so like estrogen, um, and it can spike um, both during the period and a week before the period. Um, and so there's this research that was carried out in 2017, and that's what I mean, like this is so recent, we've only discovered this recently. Um, so a research in 2017 by the National Institute of Health found that PMDD is likely to be genetic. So girls with mothers uh, who have a history of uh, PMDD are more likely to have PMDD. Now, with me, my mom's never had that. But when I look at, you know, a family history... Um, and people's behaviors I have actually noticed that my mom's sister could possibly have PMDD as well um, because she has been thought to have she has been thought to have bipolar like be bipolar so I um, I kind of started to relate it to that um, so when PMDD is in full swing, girls are extra sensitive and they respond more rashly and they're more in just like they react more intensely to anything. Um, but one of the most difficult aspects of PMDD is that the symptoms, although the symptoms and everything can come to an end at the end of your period, the things that happen during that time go into after your period so what that means is you know you might get your period and you might finish your period and then feel okay but the thing the damage that you've caused while you were acting irrationally 
can stay there even after your periods are finished. So there's like medication to be able to deal with it. Um, like in some cases, doctors might recommend birth control like they have with me. They've recommended the pill. Um, I've also been recommended antidepressants. So in my workplace, they've actually been very helpful. And this is when I say open conversations are very important. I felt like I'd been dealing with this for so long and I didn't want to do this with my workplace because I've worked so hard to get a job. I don't want to ruin it. So I need to have people who are aware of what I'm going through and just make it very open and out there. So I told, um, you know, HR and my manager about it. And at first I was very reluctant to go uh, when they referred me for occupational health um, therapy and just to kind of get a second opinion on what on what I'm going through. So I was very reluctant because I was so scared. I hadn't passed my um, probation. What if the doctor said something that made me look like I was physically unfit to work and then I lost my job? So I had this worry, but I went anyway. Um, and I told the doctor exactly what I'd been going through in the same way that I'm talking about this now. I told her about everything, the pain. Um, and she agreed that, you know, I think you have PMDD and endometriosis, but when you're able to go and have a check, then you need to have an internal check done and go and visit a gyno. Um, but yeah, like she also recommended anti antidepressants. Um, but the way that you can deal with it is by planning ahead. And I wanted to make this podcast because um, I feel like if there are girls who experience this, they might not know how to deal with it. And so this is my advice to you guys, because as someone who experiences the same thing, these are a few things that have helped me. And the first thing is dealing with it by planning ahead. And I have a whole um, episode on how, how I've been managing it. Um, so that's going to be related to anxiety, not just PMDD, but how to deal with mental health issues. Um, yeah, so I'll have another episode on that. But anyway, um, how uh, the way that you can deal with PMDD is by knowing how to manage your stress. Um, and so there are a few ways. If you know that you often get into fights, then you can avoid big social plans or um, like parties and things like that. So if 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 these kind of things do come up, um, maybe try and consider whether you are up for attending these kind of events. I don't know how helpful this is, but for me personally, I feel like avoiding situations that I know will not be helpful for me really helps. Um, I try to eat healthy now so I try to drink plenty of water and have fruits because I feel like that just keeps my energy um, on something else. Um, try and exercise but these are kind of like typical things that you would say for anything anyway but um, one thing that's really important is try and use cognitive behavioral techniques. So to manage some more of your emotions like try to channel chal- try to challenge your thoughts and emotions um, by you know trying to slow things down like think that it's okay just to take a few seconds to just really think like give yourself a second to say am I responding to this in this way because um I'm really upset or am I respond am I responding to this responding to this because I'm more sensitive right now and so when you think of it like that it helps you to almost behave rationally again um so yeah I'll be talking a lot more about this um in my next episode because I realize that this is becoming very long (laughs) um but yeah another thing that I want to say is 
learn to take it seriously. I think for me, I, I, I was so used to just brushing it off and saying, oh, you know, it's just my period. Don't worry. It's just my hormones. Like I did in Barcelona with my friends. I just told them like, don't worry. It's fine. It's just my hormones. I was belittling my own experiences. And so when you belittle your own experiences, how can you then expect people to treat it any differently? Like the only way that you can take people to take you seriously is if you treat yourself seriously and you take your own situation seriously. So, you know, this is a serious disorder, but historically it hasn't been treated as such. And this is what something um, that Dr. Samara is saying from an article that I've read. So she said that a lot of women and girls who experience PMDD aren't even aware that this is out of the realm of normal functioning, that they aren't aware that this is abnormal, that this isn't normal. Um... Lily counts herself among one of them. So since hearing puberty around 13, she assumed that her symptoms were normal. And like I said, when I said my story, I thought that all of this pain and everything was normal, right? So, you know, if she said that I thought that this was what everyone went through and this is what, uh, this is how it's supposed to be. And when I read that, I was like, yeah, me too. Like literally same. I thought this was normal. I thought this was what everyone went through. And that's because we don't have these conversations. Um... One of the first things that girls with PMDD do um, is that they need to understand that they can't just get over it. Their families and doctors and their friends need to understand that they can't just get over it. It's not something that you can just one day wake up and be able to deal with. It's organic and it's not something that you choose not to feel. You can't just switch it off. Um, parents should take care of validating their da- daughter's experience. Um, and even while trying to help them to learn them and manage their emotions in a healthier way. So don't say things like, oh, you're just doing that because you're in your period. You'll get over it soon. Um, you know, she says that instead, parents need to suggest um, things more along the lines of, I can see how upset you are and I understand your feelings, let's take a break, talk this over when you're feeling a little bit better. And things like that help people feel like they're being listened to, that their feelings are valid and it's not like they're just being irrational and silly. So I guess to end this, um, I wanted to give a few examples of what people went through really. So if anyone listening to this feels like they can relate, maybe you need to, maybe you could do a bit more research around PMDD and how to help yourself as well. So like when I read this, these are the comments that helped me realize that this is what I have um, and I related to it so much. So these are a few quotes from a different people. So one person said, During the worst months, PMDD is like a dark cloud hovering over me. I can survive during the the brutal physical symptoms, but the emotional peace is rough because I feel like a different person entirely. It truly feels like I see the world in less colour. And then I get these awful, intrusive thoughts out of the blue. I become cripplingly insecure about my body and find social interaction and anxiety inducing. Uh... Um, what else and then uh, within 7 to 10 days I get my period it will end and I find myself dancing around the kitchen and I realise that I'm back Um, so like with that it's literally the split personality issue Um, living with PMDD is almost like being two different people for a few weeks I'm happy and I'm myself productive um, and willing to deal with people as stressful situations which is like me like on a normal day I can deal with things that would that would on other days make me feel anxious and then the week or two before my period 
bad feelings start to creep in uh, feeling overwhelmed by every little thing I begin to feel worthless and like a burden to everyone around me I become short-tempered and volatile and all of those feelings are rationalized by my mind uh, which is uh, which has been taken over by my PMDD you know some people said that I'm usually a happy-go-lucky person but it's harder for me to concentrate at work um, and little things set me off and I uh, and I start crying um, I find myself getting irrationally angry and it starts to affect my friendships which I've seen as well like a lot of my reactions start to affect my friendship but that's one thing as well I don't want to be talking about this so that people can use PMDD as an excuse to treat you like crap that's also something that's not okay I'm not talking about this so that people can turn around and say oh now she's behaving like this because she's got PMDD no that's not the point the reason why I'm talking about this is so that people can be aware of the fact that this is something that actually exists and it's not something that can be switched off um so someone else said I was diagnosed with PMDD about eight years ago everything made sense after that I'd quit my job, start relationships, end relationships and all kinds of other destructive stuff and then I would get my period a few hours later and left with this new crazy situation that I had to deal with and get myself out of. So really learning about this PMDD helped me understand what I was going through and control my behaviour. So these are just a few little things but I feel like um, you know it like I was able to relate to these like one another one was I'm tired of being seen as a horrible person and people think thinking that I have control over it I literally feel like a monster when it happens and that's one thing that's true um for me it's like with my period pains I feel like because I've been in control of it for so long people can tend to think that you're always in control and it's a struggle it really is it's a struggle every day to try and deal with this battle that you're having internally but it doesn't help when like it gets watered down so yeah like to end it off um finding a way forward for Lily um finding out about PMDD was a lifesaver and for me personally it was also a lifesaver I'm so glad that I've learned about it through my own research because she said before I understood what was going on it was like I'd spend three weeks feeling uh, more and more panic because it was like oh it's coming and I'm in a few weeks I'm going to lose my mind but after being diagnosed she says things have become a lot easier and brighter um, like Lily's gynecologist put her on birth control and she's learned so much about how to manage her emotions so she said before it was like a tsunami um, uncontrollable and totally devastating but now it's like little waves it's not perfect but it's a lot easier and I can deal with that and personally same I feel like just knowing what it is has helped me so much um, even like with my fears about coming out about this like I've been able to overcome it now that I have a name for it so just to end I kind of wanted to have this discussion is PMDD a mental health problem um no PMDD is commonly defined as a endocrine uh, disorder so that means that it's a hormone related disorder but as well as physical symptoms people with PMDD also experience a range of different mental health problems such as depression and suicidal feelings um, and I didn't want to talk about that because I didn't want people to treat me differently. But I think it's very important for people to know. Um, you know, uh, so 
I hope that this has been an interesting conversation for you guys. I hope that it has opened a few eyes and, you know, it's been insightful for you guys to learn about. I really wanted to just share my story so that people could be a little bit more educated on it really um and i want to encourage more women to feel like they can talk about periods i think 2020 is the year and going forward we need to be able to have more of these conversations men if you're listening if there is anyone that has got this far to the end of the uh, podcast please do encourage your friends and even yourself to like think more openly about periods um just be careful about the comments that you make around it um and you would just be so much more helpful towards women who go through these things um you know and the more we have conversations about this the more we can deal with it, deal with things like period poverty and the policies around women at work and how to deal with these um situations and we can just move forward so um that's it for me for this week guys that was really long and i do apologize for that but i really wanted to just get that out there um and i was really nervous to have this conversation but i think it's so important to just break away from those stereotypes to break away from the stigma and the embarrassment around all of that especially in the south asian community so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed that that's it from me for this week um and i look forward to speaking to you guys next week uh take care guys and talk to you guys soon